Ladies and gentlemen, to the debut of MMA Daily, the station where we bring you the latest in mixed martial arts on iTunes. You can now find us on the podcasts app. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Miss Kayla Beatty. Kayla, how are you? Hey, G. Hey, Fight fans. I'm Kayla. You can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. So we decided to make our debut. So for fans who are used to listening to us on the Anchor app, this is going to be our first show. So if you guys are still listening to us on Anchor, some of these things are going to be very old and familiar to you guys. For fans who are Just now getting to know us, we're going to introduce ourselves. And of course, we are going to talk about everything that is just breaking and still unfolding right now, Friday before UFC 223. But yes, I wanted to give the fans who are just getting introduced to us the first time just a little bit about us. So I'm going to let my amazing co-host go first, Kayla. Tell us a little bit about you and how you cover the sport of mixed martial arts. Yeah, so I became a fan of mixed martial arts around 2006. You know, big names like GSP, Forrest Griffin versus Stefan Bonner, Gina Carano. um, You know, the list goes on. But around that time is when I started tuning in and just got hooked on the sport. I've had people tell me, well, why don't you be a ring girl? You'll be able to watch the fights up close and personal. But I've always just been interested in the human story and talking to the fighters right after they pull out that win or, you know, end up getting the loss. So my main goal is to eventually work for a bigger company as a backstage reporter, providing pre and uh, pre and post fight interviews with the mixed martial artists. So that's what I'm pursuing in Southern California. G, what about you? Tell us a little backstory on yourself. Yeah, well, I became a fan about the same time, 2007. I remember the way I was first introduced to it. I was training traditional martial arts and my partner who I was always paired with to practice, he was a huge MMA fan. He was a big Chuck Liddell fan. And the first fight I saw was, I want to say UFC 71 around there, Chuck Liddell versus Rampage Jackson. And he was really incessant on, you got to watch it, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. If fans remember, Rampage knocked out Chuck in the first round. It didn't matter. I thought the whole thing was just the coolest thing I had seen. I had not planned at the time to make MMA my career. However, as I got older and I put together a lot of different skills that I have, I realized reporting was really what I was looking to do and what better just subject I felt I could report on than mixed martial arts. I was very inspired watching people like Karen Bryant really just do their interviews. And that's when I really felt like, you know, that's the job I could see myself enjoying the rest of my life if I'm going to pursue something. So that's how I became involved in MMA. I started um, officially covering the sport as media about 2014, 2015. Um, In that time, I've had interviews with some of the biggest names in combat sports, Anderson Silva, Tyron Woodley, Fedor Melianenko, Floyd Mayweather Jr. 
So it's something that I am very pleased with my decision, and that's how I got involved in covering MMA. Did you just say Floyd Mayweather Jr. is one of the biggest names in MMA? Combat sports. Okay. Combat Combat sports. (laughs) Don't you try to – yes, so Kayla likes to – Try to correct me, but I know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's the thing about MMA Daily. Um, for fans who don't know, myself and Kayla started broadcasting roughly last May, June. And we've actually known each other about a little more than a year now. And we've collaborated on several videos. We often work events together. We both work as reporters and backstage, just like Kayla my big goal is to eventually be the official correspondent for a large company like the UFC on a large network. Um, so that is something that we just have in common and support each other. But yes, if you guys read the description, you're probably wondering why is he Gangsta Gonzalez and why is she Firecracker Beatty? Um, so that alludes to one of our very first episodes. We were trying to figure out new segments and we decided to give ourselves nicknames. And pretty much I picked out the nickname for Kayla. She picked out the nickname for me. So let's revisit that before we get into the business of today's episode. Kayla, I know it's been a while, but why did you decide to give me the nickname of the gangster? I think it was because I had seen a picture of you with a triple G or double G hat. And that was right around Canelo versus triple G's, um, you know, first match or bout together. So and then every time that you talk about a fighter that you really like, especially the girls, you always talk about how you like when they have that gangsta feel to them, that Diaz brother gangsta feel. So um that seemed like the perfect nickname for you. I know that if you wanted to walk out as a fighter heading to, uh, you know, do your business in the octagon, you'd want Gabriel, Gangsta, Gonzalez, Triple G of MMA. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, I like it. I like it. Um, I roll with it um, because I am the least badass person I know. So to know you think so highly of me is just very flattering. Um, for Kayla, I remember I was trying to think of something, um, with nicknames, you want to give someone something good, you don't want it to be too silly, but then you also don't want to offend them, and, like, I'm not that kind of person, so, I remember I was really sitting this, like, what, what's a really good one? Um, I had remembered, like, look, we, I see it all the time, yes, Kayla is a very beautiful woman, but she handles her business. She gets out there and gets the story, does the job, kills it every time. So I was trying to think, like, what really encapsulated that. And that's where I was like, okay, well, she's cute, but she's feisty. She really gets after it. And what would really work for her? And that's where I came up with the firecrackers. So that's why she is Kayla the Firecracker Beatty. And I think she likes it, so. I do. Thank you for that, G. Yeah, so that's really just a lot about us. As we continue the show over the weeks, you'll see that we've had several just analogies and just a whole glossary of things that we reference over just a year of doing the show several times a week talking about MMA. And you guys will certainly get to know us more, and we share a lot on social media, so definitely follow us. But the reason we tuned in today is because there's been so much going on. 
Kayla, this was already going to be a big fight week. Nobody could have imagined how much would have happened when you woke up Sunday morning. Just really from then to now, it's been so insane. To, so there's obviously two stories developing and going right now, but I'm going to start with what happened this morning. So by now, everyone knows Tony Ferguson was out of the fight on Sunday. Max Holloway stepped up. Max Holloway this morning, it was ruled by the Athletic Commission. He was out of the fight with Habib Nurmagomedov. And it's been just a revolving door of contenders and everything going on. Anthony Pettis weighed in at 155. Reports are coming in that Anthony was the top pick to replace Max. But Pettis wanted more money for stepping up. The UFC didn't meet the offer. They started to explore other options. Paul Felder, who's fighting on the card, made 155, offered to step up, but the athletic commission is saying that because he is not a ranked fighter, they were not going to put him in there for an official championship. And that has led to the next story that we're going to talk about. But, Kayla, you've seen it this morning all day like I have. Just what are your thoughts on everything that's gone down just in the last six hours? Yeah, in the last six hours, I mean, at this point, I'm just not even shocked. The The event, you know, you everyone wanted to think that it's the Tony and Khabib fight that's cursed. But I don't know, this whole event of, two, uh, you know, UFC 223 has just been a real big circus. And I think, you know, one thing that I at least want to talk about today or at least make a quick note on is, a lot of people are, you know, yes, they're talking about Conor McGregor. They're talking about this main event and who's going to replace, um, you know, Khabib's opponent, opponent if he's going to be able to even fight. We have to think about we have another title on the line with Rose and Ioana. Um, plenty of other fighters on there that have are looking to step up, you know, get their first slot on a main card. And you know what's really crazy, G, is I think unless someone is either a fighter themselves or part of the team or get to, you know, be backstage and close like we do leading up to a fight night, press week already is pretty stressful. These people are doing media. They're cutting weight. um, You know, they have a lot going on. They're trying to stay focused. And the fact that a lot of this card had to jump around the hospital, whether it was that you're checking to see if the cuts on your face are going to allow you to compete in the octagon, or if you're changing your weight division, all of a sudden trying to, you know, save this card, or if you're just trying to stay focused with all the drama going on. So I really, you know, want to also commend the fighters like Rose, like Ioana, um, you know, the list goes on of different fighters still on the card that are just keeping it together and, and continuing to fight. Because at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them said, you know what, let's just scrap this whole card. It's it's jinxed. Yeah, to me, really, um, uh, I understand that, look, it's not just fights. It is the fight business. So when I see all this stuff coming out, I understand it. Anthony Pettis, when I look at where he's at in his career, I understand why he would ask for more money under the circumstances. If I'm Paul Felder, I get why he's hell or high water. Give me the fight. I'm ready to go. If you're Al Ayakinta, I understand why it's not a smooth process given his relationship with the UFC in recent years. So when you talk about everything going on and how many twists and turns it's taken in the last, you know, just four hours, It's really 
just amazing that there's still enough gears rolling that they're still planning to have an event tomorrow because no less than about four or five fights have been scrapped or altered within the last 48 hours leading up to a cage fight, which is if you're a fan of MMA while you're tuning in, this is an intense sport that you want as many factors going for you as possible. So the fact that you still have men and women under the circumstances stepping up to say, hey, I'm just at least showing up to fight night to do my job. Like you said, very commendable. But um, I will say this. I felt like last year or sorry, two years ago, UFC 200 was going to be the craziest fight week we've ever had. John Jones getting pulled off the card last minute. I think when it's all said and done Sunday morning, that we'll probably look back on this week as one of the craziest fight weeks that you're ever going to have in mixed martial arts. And a bit, I know there's a lot more to it, but a large part of that also is because of everything that transpired this morning. So we'll touch on it right now. It looks like all is said and done for Al Ayakinta to step in to face Habib Nurmagomedov in the main event. It's going to be similar to what we saw with Anthony Pettis versus Max Holloway about two years ago. Essentially, the belt is on the line for Habib, not for Ayakinta with a victory because Ayakinta already officially weighed in at 155.2. So that's something we're going to break it down in a minute. But before we start talking about the fight card, I, I mean, it's just it would be remiss if we didn't on an MMA show, considering we haven't been on the air. Kayla, just by now, everyone knows what's been ha- what happened with Conor McGregor yesterday. They've seen the video. We know that he is currently in the courtroom. He has been charged with three counts of assault and one account of criminal mischief, which has been ruled a felony due to the dollar amount of damage. Um, There's so many ways I can phrase it, but I think the most simple one. Kayla, what are your thoughts on the last 24 hours for Conor McGregor? Yeah, you know... My initial reaction is I want to just think that he's an asshole that's let his ego, you know, get to a a crazy level and and money has made him go nuts. But, um, you know, these actions are also very strange and and very familiar to someone that is using drug and alcohol and, and abusing it. So before we really get, you know, his full story, I won't jump to conclusions of completely writing him off and and not being a fan anymore. But from what I'm, I've read so far, he doesn't seem very apologetic. And, um, yeah, I just, I think that, um, it's, it's hard to back someone up. I've always been a fan of him and, and found him very inspiring for what he's done for the sport and just how he's, you know, really built his empire. But, now he's losing all that credibility because when it comes down to it, it's not just the Conor McGregor show. It's not just the, the sport, the sport was created before you and will definitely be there after you. And you've had this platform that yes, you've, you know, brought in a lot of fans in the more recent years and people are going to thank you for that. But like, if you're not going to have respect for the sport and your fellow fighters, then you know, there's no spot for you here because it's not just his show. It's not just his stage. If he wants to act like that and act all wild and crazy, then 
you have enough money, start your own promotion. But if you're just going to cause drama like this and injure and hurt other people and cause fight nights to lose two or three fights just because of your actions, you know, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't back you up anymore. So obviously there's a lot broken down and you and I communicate plenty off the air also just whenever things are breaking and I purposefully avoided talking about the Connor thing so we could have as genuine results on the air um how do I even put it to words it's sad but I will say this I would respect Connor more if he is having serious issues with drugs and alcohol because if he truly was just going out there to make an ass out of himself and steal the show, I, I don't think I could respect him, not just as an athlete, as a person. He said some questionable things in the past, and he's, he's really towed the line. You could argue he's already crossed it before, but this is just a new level. Um, I do not care how many dollars you bring to the UFC, MMA, what have you. There is absolutely no grounds for the fact that you caused physical damage to other competitors who are, this is their livelihood. Um, put it this way, the worst player in the NBA still makes a couple million on their contract. Even if they can't score a point, all they do is run up and down the court. The average UFC fighter makes between fifteen dollars to $30,000 per fight with a victory. And you're telling me that you're taking away their ob ability to generate income for themselves, their family. Fight camps are not free. The way fighters pay for it, and you know this covering the sport, is through their purse that they get at the end of the fight. That's how they pay coaches, nutritionists. If you fly in somebody to emulate somebody, all that is paid for with the money from the fight. And for Conor McGregor to do this to Michael Chiesa, to Ray Borg, to a UFC official who apparently, I want to say they have several broken bones in their hand due to McGregor's actions. Uh, that, that, I, I don't even know how to say just unacceptable for a human being, let alone someone who wants to say they are the face of the sport. And um, it's really just a matter of, I think there should be no clemency. Like I said, if I think, at the very least, let's say he is struggling with substance abuse of some form. Clearly, he has been letting the money get to him. And an intervention is necessary regardless of the criminal case, which we're going to get into in a second. But I think for him to come out and do this and affect other people physically in the way he did with his actions yesterday, there's just no room for just remorse on my part if he does have issues certainly as a man i hope he addresses them but there are lines and he definitely crossed them yesterday with his actions and that is why we've seen the reaction from dana white the way it has and that's why he's not in an athletic commission hearing he is before in a court before a judge in new york that has nothing to do with the ufc there's no athletic commission that's going to just say he's suspended, he could be facing some serious charges. So let, let's address it. Like we brought up, three counts of assault, one criminal mischief because of the physical damage he did to the bus and the property damage, essentially. Kayla, there's two ways. What punishment do you think he deserves? And I guess, secondly, 
what punishment do you expect when it's all said and done? I mean, I don't really know how that stuff works. So I don't know what the punishment of amount of jail time or any of that entails. So I don't really know. I guess. I definitely think that he, of course, should be sued, fined. Um, I think that, you know, the people he injured should um, take action. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with how the court system works with that, especially on the East Coast. I mean, and myself, um, look, the fact is, this is something that could go on for a very long time, especially if, let's say, Ray Borg continues to have uh, medical issues. Um, depending on the severity of the cuts to Michael Chiesa, he hasn't released a photo to say just how bad it was that this led to his um, removal from the card. But I, I want to say I don't think you're going to see him in any combat sport until legally his issues are settled. I really do think that you're most likely going to not see him in the UFC for at least, uh, I'm going to say it, even if they did plan to bring him back, you're probably looking at a year and a half, two years, even if no athletic commission finds him just on the legal issues. I don't think you can justify bringing in Conor McGregor if he's still being sued by other fighters over these actions. So, um, legally, when it's all said and done, I think you're going to have a bit of a sentence. You're going to have rehabilitation. I don't know if you will see jail time, but it would not shock me given the injuries that were sustained. But yeah, I think um, you're going to see him out of action. Uh, you're going to see him quite out for quite a while. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the end of his combat sports career, but I think you've got to acknowledge that is on the table, depending on the injuries sustained by the other individuals in this. And look, on Saturday, we were all expecting maybe Connor walks into the cage to face the winner of Max and Habib. That is obviously a very different, that is obviously not going to happen. And I think that's unfortunate because I think he could have just generated so much attention for himself. If it's about making money, he was about to make himself another ton of cash. And he, by his own actions, took that away from himself. And I think that's just very unfortunate in the Conor McGregor story as a person. I think the other thing that's disappointing is the um, number of sports news outlets that don't usually cover MMA, um, you know, as their sole sport. I think it's ridiculous how many um, quick little highlight videos I've seen of very successful professional sports, you know, broadcasters speaking about how it's genius what he did and how, you know, this is going to sell the fight between him and Mayweather or him and Khabib. And, you know, shame on those people. I, I, I didn't even like make a list of the names because I just got annoyed and started kept scrolling through. But shame on those people for, you know, continuing to praise someone for doing stupid ass things that are making our sport look terrible. Those people to me are the ones that shouldn't be reporting on MMA because they don't really know the values of mixed martial arts and, and, and how, you know, we don't want people like him representing the sport and acting like that. No, I agree with you. I saw a lot of the same. And I think, um, it boils down to a lack of education. You have a lot of reporters or personalities um, on networks who are 
used to only covering things like NBA, NFL, maybe MLB. And now, you know, if you're under the impression that UFC fighters make the same tier as your top NBA or NFL athletes, you are severely mistaken. This is something, you know, completely different if you are familiar with the economics of MMA. So I agree with you. It was just very appalling to hear that it was some kind of joke. Um, if you think that fighters incur these kinds of injuries on a, you know, weekly basis for events, you are very, very just mistaken in what our sport really is about. So I agree with you. It's very upsetting. Um, you brought this up. So many fighters are choosing to continue. Um, let's recap real quick because it is part of the story, sadly. Three fights have been removed. Officially, Michael Chiesa versus Anthony Pettis. As we said, due to the lacerations Chiesa incurred from the broken glass on the bus for Ray Borg, he is out of his bout with Brandon Moreno. Both fighters have been removed. The issue with Borg was the fact that he did not get incur any cuts, but because the glass broke so close to him, he was having issues with his vision and reportedly closing his eyes. And it's believed because there were particles of glass that did reach him and start to affect him. So for his safety, he is removed from the bout. Artem Lobov is out of his bout with Alex Caceres for the simple fact that he was with Conor McGregor. He is seen very clearly on video participating in the action. He is removed with no question for his uh, actions. That leaves us with a very new-looking UFC 223. Kayla, let's get right into it with the main event. It is reportedly going forward, like we said, Habib Nurmagomedov against Al Iaquinta. Al Iaquinta was supposed to face Paul Felder on the main card, but after everything that's gone on, he is the fighter stepping up to face Habib. Um, this is a very different bout than the one we expected Sunday morning in the main event, but just give me your thoughts on it, at least just under the circumstances. Yeah, you know, I actually think that it's uh, it's a little hysterical that someone, if you know any of the history that's gone down in the last couple of years with Al in the UFC, they've definitely been butting heads. He hinted that he might not even come back to fight just because of fighter treatment and fighter pay and, you know, things kind of discussed before. Um, so it is interesting that he's the guy that ends up saving this event and stepping up to fight Habib. I think that, you know, it'll be it, one. I was already interested to see if that time off um, was going to be something that hurt his game. You would, th you would, think the way he was speaking that he wasn't really spending much of his time training or as much, you know, um, he's focusing on real estate and, and not so much time in the gym. I don't think he would come back if he didn't feel like he could, um, you know, compete. I don't think he would step up to take this fight if he didn't think he could compete. So that intrigues me. He is a very well-rounded fighter, very tough, um, you know, uh, very well, uh, like just a, a great striker, but again, he's going against someone in Khabib who is, you know, known as one of the strongest guys in MMA um, and, and just dominant on the ground. So I don't know. The reason why I think I had a little bit more faith in a Tony Ferguson or Max Holloway is Tony Ferguson, of course, you know, works well off his back and is sneaky with submissions on the ground. I think what I liked about Max Holloway stepping up is, 
although he is a great striker like Ali, Ali Quinta, I think he's a little bit faster with his movement. Um, so, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm happy that we have this fight, but is it one that I think is going to technically be super exciting? I really can't, can't say that I think it's going to be. Um, I'm definitely predicting Habib for this win just because of all the circumstances he's had more time to be prepared for it. Um, and, and, you know, he is deserving of getting, getting that title. I think he eventually was going to get there. Just, I don't think he saw it happening this way, but what do you think about the fight? I think that, um, for ally Quinta, he goes in, in very beneficial circumstances. He's had a full training camp for a very tough guy in Paul Felder. And I will say this, if you ask me honestly, who do I trust more in a five round fight? at the end of it, I would say Ally Quinta over Max Holloway, just over everything that we know Max had to go through in fight week. So I think in that point, you have to give Ally Quinta credit. Like you said, he is a very good, very well-rounded mixed martial artist. He is athletically, he does put together his striking and his ground game. He looked great against Diego Sanchez in his return. And I was actually even watching his fight with Jorge Masvidal, before he took a two-year hiatus and he took some big shots and he was able to battle his way back into it, into a very close, although controversial, split decision victory. This is a guy who you can't sleep on. Yes, he is not a big name. If you're used to watching UFC casually, you're probably not very aware of Al, but what you have to understand going into Saturday's bout is this is a guy who has shown great power offensively. He's a guy who can take people out with one shot. He's a guy who can take a hit. And he's a guy who isn't just out of his element. It goes to the ground. He does have grappling, but you have to go back to it. Habib Nurmagomedov, he's had so many things that by now, he probably just wants to go out there and take what he feels is his after everything he's been and I agree with you. I just have a lot of confidence in Habib's abilities. I think that the wrestling at the end of the day is going to get it done. I think that he has a great style to work against Al Quinta. I don't think Al has the technicality or the unorthodox style that would give Habib problems like Tony and Max were going to. Al is still dangerous, but I think this fight stylistically, even under the circumstances, still heavily favors Habib. Um, five rounds, I don't think Khabib will need it. I think that he might be able to break him down and get the job done around the third or fourth, but I have a Khabib win pretty handily in this one. Um, which brings the point, um, really, you were expecting Conor McGregor maybe later this year. That is not going to happen. I would bet the house on that and my car. And you, Kayla, you know, I'm really <laughs> fond of my car. It's nice, sporty, and red, <laughs> and girls like Kayla love it is what I've heard. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's why you always want a carpool in my car, right? I figured it out. <laughs> no, but um, really just I think that um, I, I will say this. You have a lot of stuff going on in lightweight. A. Alvarez is coming off a victory over uh, Justin Gaethje in December. I think process of elimination, he probably gets it. You have a big fight with Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier, but I think that Tony Ferguson works to maybe get the winner of that one before they get a title shot. So I think the Conor McGregor ship has sailed. That doesn't mean that there won't be a big fight for Habib if he wins, or Ally Quinta certainly 
he has his pick of whoever he wants if he could come in and get that upset victory. So I think it's going to be a very interesting world at lightweight. What are your final thoughts on the main event before we move to a very exciting co-main? Yeah, I'm just happy that we have, you know, a main event. I'm thankful that uh, fighters have stepped up. I actually think that Tony Ferguson gets the winner because Dana hasn't stripped him of his interim belt. It was a freak accident, and he is the deserving one. Even though this fight seems cursed, everyone still wants to see Tony and Khabib. So I think that will probably be the next fight. But why even go there? <laughs> it didn't happen this this Saturday. Thank you for saying that. We'll focus on the exciting fights that are happening, like the co-main event. G, why don't you give us your thoughts on Rose, Thug Rose, Nami Yunus versus Ioana Jacek too. I mean, this one really, I mean, women have, both women feel like they have something to prove to say that belt is theirs. Um, The story going into it, obviously, how much did Ioana's bad weight cut reportedly affect her? Um, I'm going to just make it quick. Stylistically, I always felt like Joanna has a good style to take out Rose. I think she gets in and out with her striking very well. And I think it's just a matter of not being there when Rose goes for the counter. For Rose, it's about getting off first. That's why she was able to take out Joanna quickly was because she was the first to throw strikes. Joanna couldn't get herself going. And Rose, too accurate, too early, just gets the job done quick. I think that you're going to see a much longer fight, similar to if you remember when Jose Aldo fought Chad Mendez both times. First one, quick, easy knockout in the first round for Jose. Second round, five-round battle. They both stretch each other's skills to the limit. I think that's what we're going to see in the rematch. I think that Joanna, I favor her because I think she's going to be a little more precise and able to do more what we're used to get in and out. I think it's going to be competitive. It's going to be close because Rose will have her moments. But I think on an accumulation, I think that Joanna style figures score more points and be more effective over five rounds than Rose. What are your thoughts on the co-main event? Yeah. So for whoever's not familiar, you know, Rose was able to dethrone the champ. Um, you know, Joanna some people felt like took this loss like a sore loser, but she's been very, um, I guess, just steady with saying that, hey, I had, you know, really bad lead up to the fight with my nutrition, with my weight cut. And there is some truth to that. If you're feeling dehydrated and not yourself, you're not going to be the same fighter in there and you're not going to be able to take hits like you normally could. But one thing that we can't take away from Rose is they have very similar reach and build. Rose is definitely a better match as far as reach and, and finding range with Ioana. I think someone, you know, very different to, you know, how Ioana was facing like a Jessica Andrade. Rose also had said, Ioana has a rhythm. I figured out her rhythm. And I think that that's something that we have to recognize is Ioana is such a, a active high striker. And like you said, G, I think that if the fight does go further rounds this time, there is definitely a way that Ioana can go in there and outstrike the champ. But she's going to have to come in with a new game plan because I, I definitely believe that Rose, I rewatched the fight. I think she figured out her timing because of that, um, you know, same reach and her being able to close that distance and, and actually, you know, like you said, clip Ioana as she does her in and out combination. So like she's such a great striker. 
Um, I think Yohan is going to have to come in there with a different game plan. And I think that we still have to recognize that Rose, I believe, is the better, um, has the better ground game. Yes, Yoana has, you know, excellent takedown defense. I think some of the best takedown defense in, in for sure her division and maybe in women's MMA in the UFC. But Rose is very, very tricky and sneaky with, um, you know, taking the back and, and finding that position for those submissions. So it's a very, this is one that I think that, you know, of course, with all the drama that's been going on, we haven't been giving as much attention, but there's a lot going on with this fight because, we're going to see whether or not Ioana, was it her ego and someone finally figuring her out? Or was it a matter of her just not being well prepared for that fight? And then we're really going to see Rose, um, if she hasn't made you a believer in her skills and how she's evolved as a fighter, this is going to be that fight where she's going to really be able to prove herself. So super exciting title fight. Um my gut, though, is telling me that I think Rose has figured her out, and I think that she continues to evolve as a mixed martial artist, and she's just really coming into her own as a champ. So I'm seeing Rose with another finish, and I'm predicting maybe like late second, early third. I mean, it really can go either way. I mean, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, she's just convinced me and I'm flip-flopping. It really is close. Um, I don't take anything away from what you've said with Rose. She really does have those abilities to take out Joanna. Even if Joanna's at 100 on fire, Rose is that good. Um, but these G, oh, one thing I want to say, sorry to, to interrupt you, but really these two ladies are, are the top in, you know, women's UFC. Of course, yeah, they're in the smaller division, but really they're they're so skilled. And I was talking with a friend. I don't think that a fight has been put together between two women that is that have this much hype just because so many people love both of them since like Amisha and Rhonda. So if Ioana does pick up that win, I mean, their trilogy alone, Dana said it earlier this week, this fight could have been a main event. I don't think we've had two ladies compete against each other that have been like have had fans get so hyped up. So that's why you know, yes, UFC 223 seems like, oh, man, it's a bummer now. Like, we lost, you know, these big fights on it. But there's still just this coming alone is, is super exciting and worth watching. No, I agree with you. Um, really, just if both women come out uh, at the top of their game, you're going to see a classic. That is how good both of them are. I think that's what makes it so exciting. And I agree with you. I mean, you can't just because all this stuff has happened in the main event and I get it. We were really anticipating it. You can't take away anything from what these two women are going to bring. If you're a real fan of the sport and what makes it so much fun, they have all the ingredients to give you that fight you're expecting also. So I agree with you. Um, I got Joanna taking a decision. So we're going to be, you know, at an impasse. But obviously on Monday we find out who you know, had a that good feeling and they got the W. So it's going to be very entertaining. I will make a final prediction, though. When it's all over, we're going to be hearing a lot about footwork. When I break down both of them, it's going to be because one of them put it together right and it's going to have started with the footwork. I'm going to make that prediction right now. That's going to be the key element over. Also, go ahead. Rose, very superstitious. And if Connor screwed this up, by getting in there and causing all this drama and she doesn't seem like herself, 
that is what's going to make me the most angry with his actions is that he took her out of her game. Now she's a professional in the champ and should be able to put all this drama aside, but she's very superstitious. And I will be so upset if he like shook her because she I, apparently almost got hit with some glass and wasn't going to fight, but they were able to calm her down. So I don't like that, that like his stupid antics already messed with her, you know, train of thought. I mean, it's, uh, I'm not even going to touch on it because I will go off again on talk about it Monday. (laughs) Yes. But uh, no, I, I I don't disagree with you. It really, there's just no excuse for it at the end of the day, but um, we'll touch on that in conclusion. Um, Something to keep in mind when we woke up yesterday morning, there were 13 fights at UFC 223 on Saturday after McGregor's actions and everything that has happened. We are cut down to nine. Most of the main card yeah. has been chopped up, but there is still a big fight happening. Karolina Kovalkiewicz against Felice Herrig. Kayla, I love this one. You know I'm a big fan of Karolina, and just that way she's able to walk out there, and it doesn't matter if she's in the hurricane. She stays calm, but Felice Herrig has been on fire. What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, I haven't looked into this one as much, but I knew that you'd want to discuss it because I'm surprised you're saying you're a Carolina fan. I know you're also a big Felice Herrick fan too, a big supporter of her. But um, one, their stare down to me was the most intense. I mean, Felice like was bringing that intensity. Her arms looked ginormous. I definitely wouldn't want to feel the power of those arms. But I think, um, you know, this is a really big fight for her because like you've, you know, um, spoke about, uh, you know, throughout our show and throughout this last year, she's been someone that's been around and definitely has the talent and skills there. But for some reason, you know, has kind of just stayed at a standstill. Yes, she's in a division with so many, you know, um, so much talent in there, too. But I think my biggest thing of why I haven't been able to, like, fully get behind her is most of her you know, fights haven't provided an exciting finish. And, you know, I hate that because I'm not taking away anything from her skill, but I just think when you have other people in the division that are performing and giving, you know, a more exciting finish to a fight, you know, they just happen to get that attention. But I think that this is going to be a super um, telling fight for her because obviously Carolina, right under Rose, Ioana, you know, a few other girls, she's right there to be one of the best strikers in the division and, you know, um, a a well-rounded fighter herself. So this is going to be a real test for her. Um, If she can pull off an exciting fight and even finish over Carolina, I see her definitely moving up amongst the rankings and definitely being able to push for, you know, either a title eliminator fight or, or at least be in the run for a title soon. What do you think about the match? So I love how you put me on the spot because I don't know if I've told you. True story, Felice Herrick once gave me a bracelet and said we're BFFs. I, will send you the <laughs> I remember you telling me that. Yes, I will send you the picture of it. So yes, me and Felice are, are cool. Um, she may not remember she told me that, but I will tell it that story till the day I die. Um, look, the thing about Felice Herrig, we know she lost a big year of her career after the Paige Van Zandt loss about, I want to say 2015 to 2016. Um, she was coming off injury and she lost a lot of momentum. Like you said, a lot of those girls came in and were on fire. Joanna, Claudia Gadea, Jessica Andrade. So Felice kind of got lost in the shuffle. 
um, since she's come back, she's been on fire in terms of it, they haven't always been dominant. You're very right about that. But she's displayed a great, very comprehensive mixed martial arts game. She's still a good striker. She's made big moves in her grappling. She's so dominant, just able to control some very tough fighters, fighters who are known for sticking in there. And yeah, they haven't always been pretty, but she's faced a lot of good women like Alexa Grasso, like Justine Kish, and she's gotten a good, just solid W. And if she wins, this would be her fifth win in a row. And you can't, I don't think you could avoid a top three fight for her after that. She's just one of those women in the division who's on a hot streak. For Carolina, she is so slick with the counter-striking her fight against Jody Esquivel in Poland was one of her best performances ever. I'd argue better than the Rose Namajunas win. Just her ability to get in and out and as the fight goes on, really just pour it on, become more accurate and active. That's what makes her so dangerous. The key to me, though, is as displayed in the fight with Claudia, she really struggled on the mat. Now, Claudia is a next-level grappler. I don't mm. know if I could say Felice is up there. But she is certainly very good on the mat. And I can't say that I've seen the ground game necessary for Carolina. Also, if she's worried about getting taken down, too many kicks, she's going to be afraid to throw them because she doesn't want to end up on the mat. That all bodes well for Felice Herrig. So as much as I like Carolina and her stare downs, I think Felice Herrig just has more tricks in the bag to get the W in this one. I'm picking Felice Herrick by decision. What about you? Wow. Um, I know. I got into it. <laughs> I feel like I'm feeling that too, but I just, I, I hope she gets the finish, but I'm, I'm feeling more of a decision with Felice Herrick as well. But I do think that she has the capabilities of, of beating Carolina. But come on, Felice, we need you to give us an exciting finish. Maybe that's what you're waiting for. Maybe she's going to watch the show and be like, you know what, Miss Firecracker Kayla Beatty on this new show on iTunes wants an exciting finish. I'll give you an exciting finish. Maybe that's all she needed is to hear from you. (laughs) Let's hope so. All right. So to break it down real quick, we are both going with Habib Nurmagomedov against the new match, Al Ayakinta. Remember, Habib gets the title if he wins. Al Ayakinta does not. In the rematch, we are going head-to-head. Kayla has Rose Namajunas getting the victory. I have Joanna Jacek getting the belt back. And in, I'm not even sure where it is on the card anymore, Karolina Kovalkiewicz against Felice Herrig. We're going to go with Felice to get the W in that one. Kayla, like I said, when we wake up Sunday, it's going to be go down as one of the craziest weeks I think we'll ever have in mixed martial arts. What are your final thoughts as we head into the weekend and this insane event? Yeah, I mean, it's been, like you said, probably going to go down as one of the craziest uh, UFC events and weekends uh, in, in MMA or UFC history. I think that we do have to make a quick mention that tonight on Paramount Network at 9 p.m., um, you can watch Bellator 196. There has been, there is a fight night without any drama that's going on tonight. I believe all of the fighters made weight. There's also kickboxing following, but 
Yeah, some really um, interesting fighters competing tonight. Uh, we have Ed Ruth, who is someone that everyone is really talking about. He's a Pennsylvania, um, or I'm not sorry, Pennsylvania, Penn State collegiate wrestler. We have a welterweight title on the line. We have Benson Henderson versus Roger Huerta, veterans of the sport. Um, we have John Wayne Parr going for his 100th win. There's a lot of positive uh, stuff going on with this fight night. And, G, I have to give you a little inside tip. Someone did leak the results um, for Bellator because we know that, obviously, they have a tape delay. It actually has some exciting um, results. So I know I'm going to be tuning, tuning into that tonight. Maybe you will, too, and we can talk about it a little bit on Monday. But either way, very exciting fights going on this weekend. I can't wait to recap them on Monday. I'm really excited that we're finally on iTunes. I know this is something we've wanted to do. G, how are you feeling about the weekend? Um, I really, I, I try to avoid the results, but if I'm being honest, I probably just need some nice, clean, no drama MMA to recover from everything that I've been through in the last 24 hours. So I am excited. Uh, there are a lot of great fights. I was very intrigued by the fight between Roger and Benson. So for fans who haven't seen it yet, we're not going to get into it. Although I have heard about those, you know, those little birds from... Where are they at? In Hungary? Yeah, they, they gave me the message too, so I'm, I'm with you. But it's a nice night of fights. As we go into the weekend, um, look, it's not the one you guys were hyped. I get it. I was hyped up for Tony Habib, and then Max making history maybe. And then I, I get it, guys. It is a great night of fights. I think to not want to tune in or not want to give these guys that respect would just be wrong i think it would just be disrespectful of a lot of very good very talented athletes who are going out there to show their skills so i think that whether you're turned off from it or you're still just you know what hell or high water let's just watch this thing you're gonna be pleased by it because when i look at the card there's still so many talented people fighting and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun i think that i won't be disappointed when it's all said and done tomorrow so i'm looking forward to that Kayla, welcome to iTunes. Where can the fans find you on social media? Fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA on Instagram or Twitter or just fangirl MMA on Facebook. Where can they find you? Fans, you can find me all the time at double G on TV. You spell out the word double G on TV. And I am that on across all platforms and MMAncage.net on Facebook. And we will be back on the air Monday to recap all of the action. We'll know more about what, what, what happened with Connor in court. And, of course, really all of the fights that we think are going to deliver. Until then, fans, thank you for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time.